Hey, teachers of littles out there. Yeah, you. We see you. Tired of pinning, Facebook grouping, and hoping you struck idea gold? Are you at your wit's end and need a safe space to feed you and get the support you need both in and out of the classroom? Then this podcast is for you. Join Renee Pena Lopez, an early childhood learning specialist who is in the fray with you. Get ready to have an honest and real conversation around early childhood and the challenges of play for littles while learning to connect the dots through guided play strategies. Get ready to sit back and listen in on today's conversation. The magic of littles starts now. Hi, Sandra. How are you? Hi, Renee. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. So I'm just giving our listeners a heads up. I have my little one in the background. She's watching Mr. Rogers, which... You know, Sandra's from, her family's originally from Pittsburgh. And so we're just talking about like the movies coming out. And he recently came out with like a book of poems that are his songs. And so can you please reshare with me, you know, what Tom Hanks said in an interview? Like we have to start there because Mr. Rogers, if you don't know me by now, I am obsessed with early childhood. I am obsessed with Mm -hmm. people who've come in the past, like Mimi Montessori and um, Vivian Paisley, and just, I, I eat it all up. So since we're in a season of Mr. Rogers, let's uh, chat it up. Okay. Well, you know, I just, you saw me just wipe a little tear away. Mm-hmm. Um, in this interview, Tom Hanks is playing Mr. Rogers, and I initially thought, oh, I don't think that's the right choice. Because, mm. you know, I'm opinionated. And <laughs> yes. Imagine that. And, um, but I was reading about his preparation for the part and he said he watched footage and the cadence of how Mm -hmm. deliberately kind and careful Mr. Rogers spoke. He kept going back to, you know, his rehearsals and saying, no, I got to slow it down more. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, before the show started taping, I was sharing with you and I got a little overclimped because the it's amazing to me that the attunement and attachment of Fred Rogers happened. And I really mm. felt like he was there for me. Like, yeah, same you know, here. That, you know, I see you, you know, Joey and Susie and yeah. all that. And I really, yeah. and so for me, he, I think his ability to help me as a kid self-regulate even Mm -hmm. just for that moment of being in his presence and feeling and I don't know how he did it but you can hear my voice like like slow down yeah yeah he helped me and I again I'm getting chills I'm getting goosebumps over here no lie you guys I'm like oh yes (laughs) Uh, he helped me feel grounded in a way and I said to you like no one else has yeah or ever since yeah I agree I remember on um, the episode of um, I, uh, Mr. Mr. Oh goodness gracious! I'm hard with names. It's my dyslexia. I'm like trying to get this picture in my face. But he had the swimming pool, and he put. Yes. Um, they shared the swimming pool together. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Please separate. Like, like I remember that, but I can't remember his. Well, name. and I feel bad because I've heard several. Um, they. That's one of the highlights when Fred had the police officer. Oh. a man of color. So yeah. 
them and yeah. take off the shoes and they got in the yeah. right. So um they actually had that in the documentary too. They did. And what I didn't realize, well, as a child, right? Um um, for people who don't know, I'm a mix. I'm black and Caribbean, a lot of different mixes. And my family's history is in the civil rights. And they're very uh, vocal about, you know, you're a person of color, you have a voice, you use it. And to see it on screen, like they used to read me these lovely um, African folk tales. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and like you can fly books. I don't, that series doesn't. Um, I've tried to get it and I still have one copy that I'm sharing with my daughter, but just that state, I remember that state of me and was like, why is this such a big deal? Like, aren't we all equal? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and just those early foundations, not be able to, may not be able to articulate it, but you have that feeling. Right. And oftentimes with children, they can't articulate it, young children. Right. But they can feel it. They can feel it with the whole Heart. And I think Mr. Rogers is so great at getting to those feelings, getting to those big feelings that even as grownups, we kind of shy away from. Like, like you know, we don't want to cry. You're like tearing. I'm like about to cry. Um, and it, it just makes you feel like so human. And that's what we connect to, right? And that's what young children especially connect to. They feel that humanity. Um, yeah, so his work was just so important um and it's just fitting right because you work with sensitive kiddos and you work with these big feelings and often I believe often your 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 students are tend to be older but I'm just curious like when you're first establishing those um those connections those like it's okay to to feel these things right um because I can just imagine um, being a sensitive kiddo, I feel like I might've been that child a little bit. Um, I remember crying a lot. (laughs) I remember being like, this feels too big. Um, and I'm just, you know, I'm just curious on how you even start to peel back those layers of armor, right? Like, especially as adults. And as we get older, like children, young children usually are so open, but some young children still have the armor on. They're like, no, I don't feel comfortable sharing. So I'm just curious um, what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, you know, um, usually when I talk about sensitive kids, I end up quoting Sally Shaywitz from mm. the Center for Creativity and Dyslexia, and I might have inverted it at Yale. And, you know, she says about um, students with dyslexia, if you've met one student with dyslexia, you've met one student with dyslexia Hmm. and you know, so we're all so unique and we're all, I think we're, I mean, some people are more neurotypical in their presentation than others, but I do believe that, you know, obviously we're all unique in our personality and, um, and so each case is so different. I can Hmm. tell you that I'm working with a kiddo right now who is in fourth grade. Hmm. And one thing that happens with sensitive students is they can be misdiagnosed. Hmm. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So, um, so the, I want to back up a little bit and just say being highly sensitive is a self-assessment. You, uh, you self 
Right. And I think that's really important to recognize either a parent does the, the, you know, like the assessment, the intake, or there's an older individual do the checklist. And then you say, yes, this, Hmm. this resonates with me, or maybe you're not ready or no, I I think this is off base, even though there's so much research. Yeah. Yeah. So this kiddo in, in my office, this fourth grade kiddo, I have been thinking about him so much because mm. when we're working together, he needs all of his fidget toys. He needs mm. Ducky and he needs dinosaur and he needs his, you know, marble fidget and he needs to talk to me and he needs to make so much personal connection. He needs to mm. feel so seen and so heard and so affirmed. Mm. And, you know, and in our first session together, I found out, okay, he doesn't like recess. He wants to play with Legos. Hmm. You know, mom sometimes has to meet him halfway on the walk home. I mean, and he's like Hmm. sprinkling in these little details about his day. And I'm, I mean, my radar is like, oh, 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 (laughs) like, oh, yeah. Oh, dad didn't say that. You know, all of a sudden, like, holy cow, here we are. This, I mean, and I'm getting chills again because mm-hmm. I'm kind of sweating because I'm thinking, okay, he's, he doesn't mean to be testing me, right? but I have to be like a detective. Mm. And those are like Reese's pieces. And he's, he's saying, are you going to follow my trail? Mm. Like your mom, you know, I know his mom wants me to work on writing, but I'm like, and here we are, ladies and gentlemen, the highly sensitive, I feel like, you know. Yeah. During recess yeah. kid. Yeah. I often find like, especially by pugils, right? Like <laughs> in my day to day work as a see it, like, okay, uh, you have these goals, but you're really going back. Hold on one second. No worries. Mr. Rogers is over. Really? Okay. Hold on one second. <laughs> Hello again. All right. I am back. Yeah. She, she went from Mr. Rogers to Daniel. So <laughs> <laughs> the option of choice, right? Streaming. Um, but what was I saying? Going back a couple of steps. Um, being, you know, in the session of writing, but being. With yes. So the, you know, you, you come from one thing, but you're really getting deep down into another layer of what's really rocking their foundation, right? Like it's not just about writing. I feel like it's not a just about play sometimes. I was just saying with IEP goals, it can be mis. Leading sometimes when um, the goal may be something as like social, right? And that can be I mean a lot of things to a lot of children about having issues about playing. Um, but sometimes it's the anxiety of like even asking another child to play, or it's the frustration of I just don't want to share these toys or I'm just not ready. Um, so sometimes, right? Uh, the Goal is one thing, but what you're deep digging into is another thing. And I often find how, like, sometimes I'm like, you you know, how do you peel back the two? But you do, right? You start with, like you said, your assessment. And then you're always gathering information, um, which I had a question about, if you don't, mine about gathering information especially as it comes from all sides right like you have different people telling you different perspectives of this one particular person and then this 
particular person has their own perspective of themselves. Um, do you have like a way that you organize your information or you just kind of just like, you know, write it all down and then disseminate it later? So when you were speaking, I was hearing in my head how there's an inner landscape. Mm-hmm. There's an outer landscape. Um, obviously, the outer landscape has culture and context mm. and conflict, right, often. And um, the inner landscape, I will be honest, Renee, you know, as an, as an educational therapist, it's, it is my job to be collecting those clues and being a very careful detective and not coming in with too many assumptions. So sometimes I do read the entire 45-page neuropsych report mm-hmm. um, before we start sessions. You know, when I was a teacher, I always waited mm-hmm. until October. That's a great tip. Yeah, that's a right? really I great waited tip. until October and then I'd be like, huh, I wonder who's in the file. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh, okay, I had a, you know, a nudge or, you know, and then I'd go in and I'd see what I was, I would compare and contrast what I was seeing and what the assessment said. Mm. And it was a great way to come in, you know, with those fresh eyes, but a compassionate heart. Because going back to what we were talking about, misdiagnosis, this kiddo, I've been thinking about him so much because I do think he presents. If, if we were only look at the outer landscape with hyperactive ADHD. But once he hears, once he feels heard and seen by me, then he will do his work and he has absolutely no trouble, you know, zeroing in on a task he doesn't like and and fulfilling that step to completion. His bandwidth is small because again, he, I do think he's testing me and he really needs that emotional connection to get to a bigger task of more suspended for him, it feels like disconnection. Yeah. He has to work. He feels alone. And see, so that says to me, oh, you don't feel supported in a classroom. Your teacher may not be, you know, wrong or bad or insensitive or whatever, but, right. but you're, I'm starting to get a sense of his inner language. And what I said appearance is I'm trying to decipher a language no one else has. Hmm. And I'm also needing the trust and the safety to, to explore that with your kiddo so that then I can teach them that they're, that that meaningless cacophony inside is actually music. And here's, here's how it sounds here, how it, here's the notes, hmm. here's, right? So we can give them names and we can give them weight and we can, we can say, Oh, you know, you're a jazz musician. You have felt like this is discord, but really that's a certain, you know. Right, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different way of expression, right? And so you're validating the way he needs to express himself by giving him the space to, to figure it out, basically. Um, I was just, yeah, the, my, my, um, I, I'm over here, I'm a post-it lover, Uh, (laughs) I'm just sitting here taking notes because as much as um, this podcast is for others, I'm also a little selfish. It's a little bit for me too. Um, I just love learning. 
Um, and I know my listeners do too. So I'm, I'm just putting it out there that I am just as so much of a child development nerd as they are. Um, and I want to talk about diagnosis because I um, often come across like the question, like, what do you think this kid has? Right. And um, I often think that, you know, kids are not their labels. I, I've said it when I was uh, in getting my master's. I've said it in my student teaching, like kids are not their labels. So the tip that you gave about getting to know them first and then compare and contrasting mm-hmm. them to what they presented, because exa- like the neuropsychs, the, the evaluations, all that stuff was done months ahead, right? So mm-hmm. and kids grow so much over time that it's nice to get more information as you get to know them. Um, but how much do you think diagnosis matter? right? Like, does it help the framework of then I have these strategies and tips and tools to help? I mean, I kind of know the answer just to doing the work daily, but um, I'm just posing it for both general ed, early childhood teachers and for teachers who are just starting to work with, um, you know, special kiddos. So, Well, I think it depends on the context. Mm. And I think we could have a whole podcast about we that. We could. We could. All right. Sequel two. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because when I think about that through the lens of my teaching, you know, I would, I would answer. I know it's a hard question. That's why I came. <laughs> I would say that if you create a classroom of safety and community and connection, then honestly, the way my classroom worked was we, we were a family. Right. And so I think, okay, so let me back up for a moment. In the context of getting kids what they need, you know, and the accommodations they deserve, that's the part where I, I think that's the, that's the, a diagnosis for me is a tool. It, it is not, it is, should not be a label or a title. It's a tool for getting like, oh, okay. So you can see I'm wearing these glasses. Yeah. I mean, I'm not reading anything, but I can, you're fuzzy to me if I don't have on my glasses. Right. And I loved seeing those details. So, and again, I'm getting chills. So if we don't know that I, I need this accommodation, my entire world is going to shift and, and my ability to be in that world is not going to be optimal. So in that way, you know, I do think that we need to give our kids a landing pad so that they have all the tools that they need to be successful. And that comes through, you know, the psychoed of the neuropsych and the 504 and the IEP. Um, in working with students individually, again, I would say, yes. I mean, it gives me that report and evaluation gives me a way to, to channel my energy mm-hmm. in some directions I, I also, you know, want to just reiterate, as an educational therapist, I need to be very careful, and I say this in caps and bold and italicized, I don't diagnose. I don't yeah. I say the same thing daily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my, and, and some other folks don't like this either, but it is a fact. As an educational therapist, no matter what the umbrella is, my two cornerstones are attachment and attunement. Yes. Attachment yes. and attunement. You know, if we do not, if I do not have that container of safety and connection and rapport and consistency, I mean, honestly, it doesn't matter where you're coming from mm-hmm. or yeah. what you're dealing with. 
that's, that's the structure. And then from that structure, you know, as I started the podcast with every case is so different. Yeah. And so what, what may work for some student, one student with dyslexia, I mean, throw that out the window. Right. With the right. other one. Right. So, yeah, you know, I, I, love- I am a living testament of that. I yeah. remember, well, I didn't get diagnosed until I was um, 19. And it was like, <laughs> I was really struggling. I was taking Spanish. They were like, why is she having a hard time? It's, it was a mess and a half. It took me forever to write papers. And the tutor that was tutoring goes, do you have a learning disability? <laughs> I was like, no, not me. Like, what are you talking about? She was like, I feel like you might want to bring it up. <laughs> And I just remember going, no, but I don't flip like letters around. I don't do, you know, I like went through the typical Google checklist mm-hmm. and she brought it up to the supervisor and he was like, how did we miss this? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and it's because I didn't fit the typical criteria, but it was like, you speak so eloquently and, you know, you really are on top of your work, right? I don't have executive functioning issues in that way. I'm really good at organizing, planning. But if you ask me to sit here and like my show notes, ah, <laughs> right? If you ask me to um, say certain words or hear certain sounds, I'll literally tell you, I just don't hear them. I just can't, I can't hear it. I can't repeat it back to you. Um, recalling names and stuff. Cause I can't, like I said, I see the person and then I'm like trying to associate the sounds to the person. And sometimes it doesn't come together. Right. Like I couldn't remember, um, the gentleman's name on Mr. Rogers. And that's because it doesn't click with me and I've learned to adapt and change. And we had this conversation when we first met several years ago and I'm so thankful for that because it helps shape my work with young children and helps shape my thoughts around educational therapy. Mm-hmm. I have not finished my um, getting board certified. I have not made those decisions yet, but I love this practice of deep diving and, listening and responding in a way that's meaningful to to who it belongs to. And I feel like the challenges of having big classrooms is you don't always get those times. You don't always get those pockets. Um, and I feel like you, you can't always have people focus on, you know, just a set of children that may need extra support because everybody needs your support. Absolutely. So like you said, it is in context, right? Like it's in context of if you're working one-on-one, you have those abilities to do it. And I think um, teachers need to know that they need the space to also reflect and to take time to attune to their practice too like we did so many years ago I remember you just asking you were just asking like open-ended questions I remember like oh what are these about <laughs> like yeah. I just I don't know I don't and I remember telling you I didn't have answers to a lot of them and um, sometimes I still don't but the point of this podcast and this point of having these conversations is to help other teachers and other teachers, especially early childhood, reframe these thoughts of we have to get to 
like an IEP, a 504, all those things solve the problem, right? They're just a piece of the journey, right? Um, So I think, yeah, I really, uh, I'm always grateful for the work that you do and the work that, and the conversations we have. So, and we've had many conversations. So um, Arden, just so you know, we've had long relationship since, but like I was pregnant with Lena. No, before that, it was like a year or so before that. Wow, yeah, it's been a while. We're, we go, as they say, we go way back. We go way, way back, way yeah. back. And yeah. that's, I love that. I do too. We always check in on each other. Yeah. Um, You're really I good just, at that. I right? love those, I love those check-ins. Yeah, it's my little nurturer in me. <laughs> like, how are you? Um, yeah, so I also saw on your um, website that you talk about twice exceptional kids. Mm-hmm. And first of all, what is that? So... And it, this is a complicated definition. Um, uh, for me, uh, what I say is like, it's a, like a pendulum. You can have a student who has a super strength and then a super stretch. That's what mm-hmm. I call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so twice exceptional means that you, and I mean, the whole conversation, again, another podcast, yeah, totally. right? Yeah, yeah. So that super strength, and I use super strength because, People do react to the term giftedness, and I can okay. share with you at some other point how I approach that. Yeah. Definition, but um, that kid would have a super strength in one area and then basically a learning difference or, and or disability um, in another area. And it really causes that pendulum to swing back and forth in their life. Mm. You know, in, in maybe it's an athlete who's truly gifted mm-hmm. and can see the whole field and has this superstar life on the field. But when they walk into math class or English class, they totally shut down. They're a different person and they're struggling up against that learning difference and not having a voice or, you know, the, the vision or whatever it is to navigate and negotiate what it means to translate those skills that they have on the field, which I know can be translated Mm -hmm. into the classroom and they need someone to come in and help them, you know, kind of a little bit balance out that pendulum from swinging so hard. And, you know, the coaches are like singing their praises Mm -hmm. and the parents and the teachers often Mm -hmm. like, you know, if they can do it on the the field, they could do it in the classroom and at home. Yeah. Why do we have this kid, you know? Okay, everybody. I'm I'm getting chills because I that was me. <laughs> I was dancing like a professional, and yet would walk into English and be like, I didn't finish that assignment. <laughs> just full on, just like I didn't. I read the book; it took forever, and I did not write the report. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, to have that information about yourself is a game changer right it, like you said it's just more information to to help you become the person that you need to become but with young kids that's so like they're always changing and morphing and so when would a person yeah show those attributes of being right. twice exceptional you know asynchrony Asynchronous development, I think, happens over a continuum. And so, I mean, for me, and I'm not an early childhood expert, Mm -hmm. having said that, though, I do have connections with younger kids that I think are quite special. And it's because of that chemical match, you know, where Mm -hmm. I'm able, 
they open that door. It's like Narnia, man. <laughs> Narnia, it's all you want to get to. And I say, um, well, yeah, sessions together, right? Yeah. So I don't yeah. want to make them feel badly. Right. I get to see their Narnia. Right. But, um, but I think, um, I think it's so important to it growth happens a lot underground. Mm-hmm. You know, those roots are, are, and you know, underground in the darkness in the earth. And so as young kids are going through their continuum of milestones, I don't think that we can make, and again, I don't diagnose and I don't prescribe. I don't either. <laughs> so, but I don't think it's, um, I would love to ask a, an expert, Dr. Devin Macaron. Hmm. She does evaluations in the city of twice exceptionality. And I would, you know, I do think she, she sees kids as young as second grade. Oh, wow. I'm not sure she starts. I'm not sure she goes younger than that. And I would ask her when she, when the official start time is. Right. Yeah. Assessment. Yeah. Right. Cause I think, um, early childhood teachers are the beginning of that journey. So my definition of early childhood is of course birth, but I go up to, at least second or third grade, like my, in my head. Right. Um, I think, I think in that way, teacher certification has it somewhat right (laughs) in terms of, I think it should go to third grade and not just second, but um, they allow that time. And like you said, the time for the roots to go down. I remember someone once telling me, Lana was very much a, a, a mover sounds familiar and um blueberries yeah we got blueberries another day lena okay we gotta go shopping hi <laughs> say hi happy <laughs> um, saturday happy saturday lena you have your tea it's right there uh check the refrigerator yeah. Um, but I remember she, uh, what's the word? I remember asking a question of like, and this was just like a dumb parent moment where I was like, oh yeah, she can't learn to walk at the same time and develop all this speech at the same time. Like that's a lot to ask your young body to, to kind of put together. Like they're not going to sync up and, and all at once. And I was like, duh, why am I not? like, I'm like, I should know that. Right. Like I do this work every day like a child's not gonna get these things all at once but as a parent it was you know made me anxious um so it's a good it's a good reminder that you know it's a journey over over time um you know, I'm talking I'm thinking to myself why on my website did I say you know sensitive students do you have a highly sensitive son or daughter or a twice exceptional teen mm, and I'm like, well, yeah, right. that's because- what I'm wondering that's what I was wondering when I saw your site okay, yeah okay then I yeah because it's so intuitively I think I just naturally gravitated towards an, mm. an older side of the yeah spectrum. yeah mm. but like you said it can it can if you um have the the knowledge and a language to recognize recognize the needs for twice exceptional or highly sensitive kids yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh my goodness i have chills and i am so grateful for this conversation but i do have to start wrapping up is there anything else you want to share and of course this is 
obviously a part one. Talk oh, good. Um, yes, and, I have two tools that I want to share. Yeah, that'd be great. Any takeaways? Hold on one second. Let me just pause and come. Dr. Elaine Aaron's website. Okay. And in a specific page, and I was trying to prep. I was like, oh, I'm going to get nervous during the interview. I want to make sure I have this acronym. The acronym is DOES, D-O-E-S. And if you Google highly sensitive person, D-O-E-S, it will come up and talk about um, this acronym that is depth of processing, stimulation, emotional responsitivity, empathy, and sensitive to subtleties. Mm. Um, And it also talked about the evidence that this, that this trait actually exists. So, you know, and again, I can send that link to you and you can. That'd be great. Yeah. And I'll put it in the show notes so everybody can get access to it. Yeah. Because I think that's a way to frame how we approach um, high sensitivity. It's Mm -hmm. not that you're a drama queen though. You could be, and it's not that you are weak though. Sometimes highly sensitive people do have a compromised immune system. Mm. D O E S helps to, you know, bring us into a more, um, uh, you know, concrete, uh, place to land. The other thing I wanted to share today, I was like, Oh, maybe I can, um, for those, uh, of your listeners who are more of the homeopathic persuasion, I have, I'm going to show you on the screen, though yes. I'll send a link to this too. Yes, I, I love flower essences. And, Is that a company? It, well, it, have you ever heard of Rescue Remedy by, yes. by Bach? Okay. Yeah. So he's like the grandfather of flower essences, and there's all these different you know, versions and um, flavors and all this stuff. Not flavors, but you know. The five flower formula is what this one is. And it's the yarrow. It's the the yellow, the white, and the pink yarrow plant. And it's kind of like the signature formula for highly sensitive people. Wow. And, and, And animals can use it. Kids can use it. Anybody can use it. You can't overdose, so to speak. Right, right. It's not a medicinal um, formula. And so I just thought I'd, you know, share that with your listeners because you can put it in water. You can take it in the water bottle to school. Okay. It's just a beautiful, natural, really um, tender way to support kids, creatures who are sensitive. Yeah. And I also think of... um... We often do like steam showers. Um, so it's a nice, yeah. Right, that sounds like <laughs> nice. I'm already just thinking about it. I'm like, I'm gonna go yeah, just steam shower, sit in the shower, for and read some books. Um, yeah, but it's also a nice way to set up those connections to talk about attachment and to make time for self care. I think that's also. I mean, we can talk on forever, but um, yeah, to talk about self care for highly sensitive littles and kiddos right um that's so important yeah and I love those those resources I'm definitely going to dive deep on them does she also have um a book too or just a website oh yes so so Dr. Elaine Aaron came out with the seminal title the highly sensitive person okay her book um my sister I still I get choked up every time I say this my sister approached me after going through um, some sessions of therapy with a counselor in Pittsburgh. 
and um, came to me one summer and handed me the book, The Highly Sensitive Person, and said, I think you need to read this. Hmm. And it changed my life forever. So um, she has several books now, and she has, you know, um, The Sensitive Person in Love and The Highly Sensitive Child, and she has, you know, videos and all kinds of resources on her website. I just want to make sure that people weren't feeling like, okay, it's just the website and they can't get like the the book out of the library or something like that. So yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then where can we support and find your work? Oh, okay. So I'm at www.sensitivestudents.com. Yeah. And you guys, you have to just, even if it's just like stalking her, like I used to do. (laughs) (laughs) You're hilarious. Check it out. Um, and I don't want to be, are you on social media? I always forget. So I have developed a term called an introverted, I'm an online introvert. So I, I just have had to own that. I talk about overwhelm. I get really mm. overwhelmed with um, things online. And I think because I'm very porous as a sensitive person, I take in energy when I'm online mm. that I've found isn't great for me. Mm-hmm. So I do have a Twitter feed. I haven't posted in a while. Oh, that's I do have a Facebook fan. Yeah. I haven't yeah. posted in a while. Every so often I will. Um, what about I, your newsletter? Yeah. So I haven't stepped away from that. For okay. But on my website, I do have a blog. Okay. And I write on that occasionally. Uh, <laughs> I am thinking about ways that I, I don't know where my audience is right now. And so okay. I'm so happy for this opportunity. I'm so relationship oriented and I do, I love connecting. So in the, in the world, I'm a sensitive extrovert, but, but in social media, I'm an online introvert. Right. I, and I love how you have those definitions, even just for yourself talking about the inner world and the outer world and how do you reconcile the two? Um, good. Nicely so. <laughs> Thank you. A little teacher school right there. Um, but I want, I, um, so I'm been, I'm going to tell our audience right now, check out her website. She has an email. Just email you. Yeah. There's like a contact page. Contact. Yeah. Yes. I will I'm tell you also page. that my phone, you know, it doesn't register anyone that isn't already a contact. Okay. So, um, you know, all calls, if you'd like to set up a complimentary consult, like great, but do it through email because I am, yeah. as you yeah. know, the one woman show. Yeah, I know and you I are. And she's a great woman show. So, oh, Renee, this has been <laughs> such an honor to be Same visit. here. I'm so grateful that you've been on the podcast. I'm going to. Um, hey, y'all, I am back. I wanted to pop on in on the end of today's episode and say thank you so much for listening. And if this resonated with you, leave me a review on your favorite podcast app. And if you're like me and you're a geek for resources, don't forget to check out the show notes at themagicoflittles.com on the site. And thank you again for listening. It's an honor to be part of your teacher tribe. Catch you on the flip side.